Welcome back to another beautiful Thursday afternoon. Alright, I hope your guys' work week is going good. I hope you had a good 4th of July. I did. I see none of you lost any fingers. Good. I'm glad. Um, but yeah, welcome back to the Rainy Day Horror Show. I am your host with the most and probably, you know, the best podcast horror podcaster out there. I said podcasting twice, don't know why, but... Yeah, welcome back to the Rainy Day Horror Show. I am the host, Dusty McBalls, a.k.a. the Certified Cougar Hunter, a.k.a. the man with the biggest testicles in this world. And on today's episode of Horror Movie Breakdowns or Horror Movie Reviews, like I said on Tuesday and Sunday, it's The Cabin in the Woods. So, this was a good movie. I really like this movie. And I think if you haven't seen it, you guys should go out and watch it. It is very, very good. I liked it a lot. So, the whole breakdown, like usual, is going to start with the little synop, the synopsis. And then I'm going to summarize it. And then I will tell you the box office budget, who acted in it, the reviews, the Rotten Tomatoes. And then, at the end, I will tell you what I thought of the movie. But I kind of already did. I thought it was good. But I'll break it more down for you guys at the end. So... Without further ado, let's get into the breakdown of Cabin in the Woods. So, the little synopsis, or synop, is five friends go for like a little vacation break at a remote cabin where they get more than what they bargained for and they discover the truth behind the Cabin in the Woods. Ooh, spooky, spooky noises, spooky. Okay, so, now, the movie opens with a pair of middle-aged men walking through some kind of facility discussing mundane details about marriage and potential children while a younger woman in a lab coat is trying to inform them about an incident at the Stockholm facility. The two men are not really particularly concerned about what she is telling them, but they mention that the facility in Japan will get the job done and that their U.S. facility usually comes in second place. And as they board a golf cart and drive off, the younger of the two men invites the older one to come over to his house for the upcoming weekend. Next thing you know, the scene shifts to a room in a college town where Dana and Jules are talking about school. Apparently, Dana had an affair with one of her professors and it ended badly. Jules' boyfriend, Kurt, walks in and throws a football at the girls. It flies out the window and Kurt's friend, Holden, a fix-up for Donna, catches it down below. The guys are there to pick up the girls for the weekend at a lakeside cabin that Kurt's cousin owns. Dana finishes packing and they all go downstairs to pack up the RV. Then, they're about to leave when their friend Marty pulls up. He's the stoner. He's so funny. We've got two jocks, a stoner, a slut, and then just an average bookworm kind of girl. And now, her friend, their friend Marty pulls up in his car, just ripping a huge fucking, like, bong out. Just driving with the bong in his lap and just rips it, right? As he's pulling up in front of him and just smoke is just exhaling the car. And it's just, you know... It's Wiz Khalifa type shit, and it's weird because this bong 
is like a mug and he extends it. It's like five feet long and then he compacts it into like this small mug. It is so sick. It is so sick. But then the scene changes again and we cut back to video screens in the previously seen facility where the two middle-aged men, Sitterson and Hadley, are watching all of this happen. Like they're watching the students go into the RV and everything. Like they're, they're stalking them, right? And apparently they have been drugging the kids through various means, like hair dye and Marty's weed. But they don't say why. The group is close to the cabin when they stop for gas and directions. The attendant, Mordecai, is old, unfriendly, and more than a little bit crazy. He tells them that they will have no problem getting to the cabin. It's the getting back part that they should worry about. The kids laugh at him, think he's crazy, he becomes sarcastic and aggressive, and there's almost a fight when he refers to Jules as a whore. She kind of is. And instead, everyone gets back into the RV and they drive away. And now they have to go through like a U-shaped tunnel in the mountain to get to the cabin. As they pass through it, a bird tries to fly across the ravine and hits an invisible shield. It gets electrocuted and the bird obviously falls to its death. Meanwhile, back at the facility, the phone rings and Hadley answers it and it's Mordecai. He reports that the college kids are on their way to the cabin and tells them how the reveler almost messed it up for them and they should just be careful. Then he gets mad because Hadley has put him on speakerphone and he hangs up while Hadley and Citizen laugh. They arrive at the cabin and unpack. It's obvious that they are still being watched by cameras set up by the facility people because Holden is in his bedroom putting on his like bathing suit and when he notices an awful painting on the wall it's like I don't know how to explain it it's just like a bunch of people like ripping off the head of like an animal he sees that gets disgusted with it he takes it down and underneath it there's a window into the next room where Donna is staying she starts you know taking off her clothes you know changing and she is unaware that the mirror in her room is revealing everything to Holden in the next room. And Holden runs into Donna's room and, and tells her what's going on. So, like a gentleman, he switches rooms with her. Now Dana can see Holden and she definitely likes what she sees, you know. He starts, because he, him and the other guy, not Marty, I forgot the other guy's name, but the, his friend, he, they're all a part of the football team. And, you know, they're, you know, they're built. They are built. I will not, I will not shy away from that. They are built. So, like, she's, like, checking them out, like, oh, hello, right? And now all, now the scene cuts back, and we are at the facility, and people have gathered to place bets on what fate the people in the cabin will choose. Hadley really wants it to be a merman. A new agent called Truman is shocked by the way he sees the others behaving. A more seasoned agent, Lynn, tells him that she understands how he feels, but, sh but he shouldn't judge the others for their seemingly flippant behavior. That's a funny word, I like that word. Truman, however, continues to question Hadley and Citizen about the proceedings. Truman thinks it's unfair, although they all seem to understand that what is going on 
is of the utmost importance. At, now we go back to the cabin. And at the cabin, everyone goes into the living room and starts drinking. Marty continues to smoke the pot he brought, and they're all getting pretty tanked and started to play truth or dare. Like every college and high school student. Jules is dared to go make out with the wolf head on the wall, then it's Dana's turn, and she has just chosen a dare when the door to the basement flies open, startling them all. They dare her to go down to the basement, and she does, and the rest of them follow. There was a ton of really strange stuff down there, like from knives and just a bunch of really weird shit, and Dana finds his diary and she goes and picks it up. And Kurt chooses a puzzle ball and tries to open it. And Jules likes a wedding dress and starts to put on the necklace that goes with it. Now Marty is looking at a conch shell and Holden is mesmerized by a child's jewelry box. That opens to reveal a dancing ballerina when all of a sudden the people at the facility are quiet and on edge of their seats to see like what fate they choose, right? And Dana says, hey guys, listen to this. Everyone else puts down what they're doing and they go look and they go walk over to Dana to see what she has. And the diary belonged to a young girl who was brutally beaten by her father. There is something about how they will all return once someone reads some Latin words at the end of the diary. Marty says they shouldn't read it and he hears a voice tell Donna to read it. No one else seems to hear this voice, though. And against the advice of Marty, Dana reads the Latin, and somewhere outside, the family from the diary returns from their graves all zombified. It's a zombie movie, kind of, but it, 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 it gets worse. Trust me, it gets worse. Now, at the facility, it turns out that Maintenance and the new intern have won the pool with their selection of redneck zombies. Hadley is really bummed he won't get to see the merman. Foreshadow. At the cabin, the kids go back to the living room. Jules and Kurt are acting out of character, and Jules is dancing very aggressively in front of the fire. And Kurt is becoming aggressive and insulting about his girlfriend. Marty notices this, but his concerns are brushed off by the others. Kurt and Jules decide to go for a walk, and thanks to some pheromone fog, they start to just fuck like rabbits in the woods, but they are stopped all of a sudden by a group of zombies. Now Jules is stabbed in the hand, Kurt saves her, but is stabbed in the shoulder, but he survives. Jules is recaptured and beheaded while Kurt watches. He gets away eventually and runs back to the cabin. As Jules dies, Hadley and Sitterson recite what seems to be a prayer. Hadley pulls a lever and blood runs into a grooved stone tablet that contains the outline of a female figure, the whore. The ground then starts to shake. And then it cuts back to the cabin, and Marty hears a voice in his head and goes outside to see Kurt running towards him, fighting off a zombie. They both run inside and lock the door. Kurt tells everyone that Jules is dead, and they decide to barricade the house and stick together. Courtesy of the facility, a voice tells them to split up. Only Marty consciously hears it. 
He begs the others not to split up, but no one listens, and Dana and Holden and Marty each go into their rooms. The doors promptly slam shut and lock right behind them. Now, no one at the facility can figure out why their tricks aren't working on Marty. He's not following the plan, and he can hear the voices. They're worried he's going to kind of ruin everything, which, foreshadow, he does. And in Marty's room, as he's frantically boarding everything up, he gets startled and breaks a lamp. He picks it up and finds out that there's a camera in the lamp. And this proves everything that he's been saying about this place. He's about to investigate further on, like, the cord and, like, break more shit, but... He's standing right in front of a window and a zombie comes through that window and pulls him outside and there is a struggle. And Marty is stabbed in the back and dragged out of sight. Then, the people at the facility are relieved that Marty won't be ruining their plan. However, they still investigate to see why their drugs didn't work on, you know, Marty. Why he was able to be immune. They determined that when they were lacing his drugs, his pot his weed they missed one of his stashes and what he was smoking was making him immune to their tricks and next thing you know blood they pull the lever assuming he's dead they pull the lever and the blood goes into his little his little stoned outline and then the ground shakes he's the fool in the story and then now it cuts back to the cabin and the zombie tries to break through Dana's window and hearing this in the next room, Holden breaks the glass between their room and pulls her into his. Now they find a door as they're frantically trying to get out of there. They find a door in the floor that leads to another room in the basement. It appears that this is the room where the father beat and tortured the girl from the diary. They try to find a way out, but the door won't open. Just then, one of the zombies finds them and stabs Holden in the back. And this zombie is, he, it's funny because he kills people with a, like a, what is it, a bear trap on like a chain and he throws it at him. It's really funny. And Dana stabs the zombie repeatedly just as Kurt opens the door from the other side. The three of them get into the RV and the door closes and a bloody handprint is seen on the outside of it. Spooky. As they head toward the tunnel, Hadley realizes that the demolition crew never set off the explosion that causes the tunnel to collapse so they can't escape. And as the trio frantically tries to get away, Hadley and Sirison are just frantically trying to correct this oversight. And the RV eventually makes it halfway through the tunnel when the cave starts to, you know, when the tunnel starts to cave in. They reverse back the way they came and they just barely make it out alive. Barely got touched. It was close. But now Kurt, this is, this is awesome what happens to Kurt. Kurt has a bike. He has like a little dirt bike in, on the back of the RV and he decides to jump the ravine to get help to the other side. And just like the bird, he hits the invisible barrier and dies and falls, you know, 40 feet into the, into the ravine. And they did the same thing like they did with the other two, pulled the lever and blood ran into his outline. 
Now, Dana and Holden see what happened to Kurt and realize that Marty was right all along. They head back towards the cabin trying to figure a way out. And then, Holden, as they're driving, Holden is stabbed through the head. And the RV crashes into the lake, and it turns out there was a zombie, obviously, in the RV. Dana fights off the zombie, gets through the overhead hatch in the RV, and swims to the surface. She makes it onto a pier when another zombie comes up from the water and starts beating the crap out of her. Just straight slaughter, right? Now, the scene cuts back to the facility and they are celebrating a successful night. Evidently, the virgin, I guess that's what Dan, that's Dana's, you know, plan and that's her spot in this is she's the virgin. They, it doesn't really have, they don't have, she doesn't have to die. Um, for the plan to be successful, it's just whatever fate chooses. And this is extremely important since all of the other sites, like Germany, Japan, all the other sites like that across the world, have failed to complete the ritual. They open up a bottle of champagne and start drinking. Then a red phone rings, and then Hadley answers it. A tense, very scary conversation follows. And apparently the rules weren't followed. One of the others is still alive. If Dana dies first, they will lose. Dana now cuts back to the pier. And Dana is still getting like the living shit kicked out of her by the zombie dad. Then Marty, surprise, Marty's back. He, he comes back. Can't kill the stoner, can you? Right? And he's creeping up, right? Comes out of nowhere. He just tiptoeing in his Jordans, right? And he he beats the zombie's head from behind with his giant coffee bong. And then he grabs Dana and they run to the woods. And as they're running, all the other zombies come back for them and they're chasing them. They, and they try to grab them. But he they jump into one of the graves that the zombies had came out of and they started digging. And Dana can't figure out what's going on, but suddenly Marty opens a door and they fall into a room right before the zombies grab them. Marty then tells Dana that this was all a setup. He discovered an access panel and started playing with the wires inside. This is why the tunnel never exploded when it was supposed to. Marty shows Dana an elevator and deduces that someone sent the zombies to attack them. She's not sure about getting in the elevator, though. Obviously, I wouldn't be either. Like, you know, what's down there, right? You, you, you just don't know. But they really don't have another option. So, so they jump into the elevator and they start going down. And through the glass window of their elevator, Dana and Marty can see many other elevators that contain supernatural creatures connected to the strange items in the basement of the cabin. The Sugar Plum Fairy, the Puzzle Ball, the Doll Face, the Killer Bride, etc. You know, you, they're starting to piece everything together. And Dana recognizes the connection and deduces that the group chose the means of their own deaths, meaning the zombies, right? Meanwhile, the observers are in an uproar because Dana and Marty have penetrated their facility. They make plans to kill Marty in order to preserve the whole intended, like, sacrificial death, whatever. And they pinpointed the elevator number and armed guards are sent in and instructed to kill 
both of them, but Marty first. But it fails. That armed guard that went to go to that elevator fails because a zombie corpse was like murdered on the ground and it grabs the guy's leg and they were able to kill him. And now after Dana and Marty killed him, they moved out into the hallway and a female voice speaks to them over a PA system, sympathizing with them for their predicament, but insisting that Dana and Marty must die. And then more armed guards show up and start firing at them. And they run into like this control room booth with bulletproof glass. And Dana, as they're crouched, covering from gunfire, they see a control panel that monitors access to all the elevators containing all of these monsters in this facility. And as they're being attacked by soldiers with machine guns and other artillery, they randomly start to push buttons and Dana finds a large one that says purge system and she pushes it and suddenly alarms start going off all over the facility. The guards all pause in terror, scared shitless, I would do the same, then all of the elevators open while monster after monster after monster times like 40,000 monsters emerge from these like elevator hallways. And then the soldiers are just massacred by each and every monster in this facility. And it's just not the, you know, soldiers. It's the workers. It's, you know, it's everybody. Everybody's dying. And Marty and Dana are eventually cornered by monsters. But they climb through a hole where one of the walls was smashed during the carnage. Then... In the facility's control room, Hadley, Lynn, and Truman are killed by monsters, all massacred, and Hadley finally gets to see his merman right before he kills him. Right? Told you, a little foreshadow. And Citizen managed to activate an escape hatch and emerges into a hallway, but he is finally stabbed by Dana because they were running around trying to escape, and it just happened to be fate where Dana kills Citizen. And as Citizen is dying, he tells Dana to kill him. And Dana is afraid, you know, of, like, what's going on. So she, like, does that whole, like, cinematic, like, oh, my God, I killed somebody kind of thing. But Marty gives her a gun that he took from a dead guard and says, come on, let's go. We need to leave. And as Marty and Dana are running around, they end up in a room with all of the character outlines. And Dana realizes that they're that there are five stone tablets, one for each of them, Dana, Marty, Holden, Kurt, and Jules. And everything that's happened to them has been like a ritual sacrifice. The director appears, they recognize her voice as the one who spoke to them over the PA system. She explains about the facility and their purpose. She says that the ritual is older than anything known to man. Even she and her peers aren't sure of everything, but the ritual is conducted worldwide in order to appease the dark gods who once ruled this earth. She says that the monsters they've seen are nothing compared to the ones that, you know, the, 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 the dark gods. And the director explains that the ritual is meant to keep them dormant, like asleep, you know, satisfy them and must follow specific rules. There are five sacrificial victims. The whore, who is Jules, dies first. And after that, 
four more archetypes, the scholar, the athlete, the fool, and the virgin. And the order of their deaths doesn't matter as long as the whore is the first to die and the virgin is the last one alive. And the director says it is up to the gods whether the virgin, Dana, lives. Now, if the sacrifice is not completed, the god, the old gods will come to the surface and destroy mankind. The director says Marty must die to save the world. But Marty says that if a bloodthirsty ritual is required to save mankind, then maybe mankind isn't worth saving. And Marty is hurt when he realizes Dana is pointing the gun at him the entire time to kill him. And she's conflicted, obviously. You know, she doesn't want to kill her friend. But, you know, she's like, I don't really want the world to end. And while this is happening, while they're arguing, Dana is viciously attacked by a werewolf who proceeds to maul her and then she drops the gun marty picks it up and fires on the werewolf and it runs off wounded the director tries to kill marty but the zombie girl from the diary appears and kills the director instead marty kicks both of them into the pit of the gods and dana and marty make up and smoke a joint while they contemplate the end of the world the ground starts to shake the cracks start to open, and then, boom, you see the cabin in the woods start shaking. A giant hand comes crashing through the cabin and slams down on the ground in front of it as the first of the old gods reaches the surface. Now, this was a good movie. I highly recommend it. If you haven't seen it, you need to go out and see it, okay? Trust me. Now, I'm going to give you the quick Rotten Tomatoes, but it was given on Rotten Tomatoes. It was given... A, 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, pretty good movie, right? And it is R-rated, obviously. The genre, horror comedy. It is a little bit funny. Um, original language was English, but they did make it in... I think it was Japanese. I could be wrong. Let me look it up. Hold on. Give me two seconds. Yeah, it was Japanese. And the release date was... April 13th, 2012. And the director is Drew Goddard. The producer was Josh Whedon. And the writers were Josh Whedon and Drew Goddard. It made, well, its budget was $30 million And it made worldwide $70 million. So it was it, pretty good. The runtime was an hour and 35. So it's, I mean, it's, a normal length and and some of the actors that starred in this the number one actor all right Thor Chris Hemsworth he was Kurt Kristen Connolly was Dana Anna Hutchinson was Jules Franz Kranz was Marty Jesse Williams was Holden and then Richard Jenkins was Sitterson Bradley Whitford was Hadley and Sigourney Weaver was the, the, the main lady, the, what's, oh my god, I can't think of it. Um, the main lady at the end with the, over the PA system, that was Sigourney Weaver. And yeah, it was a really good movie, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, let's see what the reviews have to say about it. So, this is going to be our first review, and it's a bad review, it's kind of funny. So, here we go. 
This is, I know, a self-aware film. Its cliches are parodies of horror cliches generally, but to subvert a form, it should, first and foremost, work as an entertainment, and it most surely does not. Yeah, suck a dick, Deborah. Dummy. Where's a good review? I'm gonna get I'm gonna I'm gonna top five review. Here we go. This one is a rating three out of four. A self-aware twist on this one comes from Brian Eggert. A self-aware twist on haunted cottage slashers. The movie contains a lot of secrets. And oh what fun the audience will have discovering them in this funny, shocking, and entraining arena. See, it's a good movie. Right there. Right there. Don't listen to the first one. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Even though she was a top critic, she doesn't know what she's talking about. But yes, this was a good movie. I highly recommend it. If you haven't seen it, go see it right now. It is on YouTube TV, but I'm pretty sure it's on other stuff. So, yeah. There's a movie for you guys to watch this weekend. Alright? Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed sharing this movie with you. If you have any movies that you want me to see, go ahead, DM me on Instagram at the Rainy Day Horror Show. Selfless plug, I know, whatever. And I will go out and watch them because I'm itching for a new horror movie to watch. So, because we have a lot of good ones coming out this summer. The Nun 2, um, I guess they're making another Exorcist. We have talk to me like there's a there's a bunch haunted mansion there's a bunch that are coming out that i'm excited to see so look for those in the future but yeah that's gonna do it for this episode i hope you guys enjoyed your week i hope you guys enjoyed your fourth i hope you guys are looking forward to the weekend i hope you guys are gonna get paid and so you guys can go out and buy all of the shit that you want that you deserve so i'm gonna let you guys go um remember Stay frosty, stay foxy, and most importantly, stay safe. I love y'all. Deuces.